Incoming transmission. The Klingon word of the day is bang. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. So, this is a huge victory for the good guys. Scotty, beam me up. Resistance is futile. They're long and prosperous. Boldly go where no man has gone before. and welcome to the Computer Resume Podcast, the show covering the entire Star Trek franchise in chronological order for fans new and old. I'm your host, writer-comedian, Mr. Todd A. Davis. Ladies and gentlemen, prismatic fire enthusiast, it's Mr. Andy Cummins! Yay! Yay! <laughs> Andy Cummins! <laughs> How you doing, man? I'm doing good. How are you? Good, good. It's been... Uh, well, God, when did we see each other last? Uh, well, I think twenty at some point in twenty twenty, there was a time like uh, some there was the last open mic that I went to radio in room twenty twenty at the radio room. Yep, I believe you were there. Like yes, was, <laughs> and then that was like the last. That was it for me oh, for a man. while. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I first. First of all, I got hold on, Max. Go out there with mom. If you're gonna make all that noise, you can't be on, you can't be on the show. <laughs> we've we've tried it before. You don't like Scott Bakula. All right. <laughs> so uh, first of all, I, I don't know that I've ever seen you with the beard. Yeah, uh, that's a that's a, that's a COVID. Uh, Is it thing. okay? <laughs> uh, I actually like. Well, I had started trying to grow it for a while, and uh-huh. uh, then during uh quarantine and even even though i was working through the whole thing like business was so slow and everything like i was just like i don't i don't even care anymore like let's just grow it out let's see what can happen <laughs> i've gone to uh, uh get it trimmed up every once in a while but mm-hmm. i think it's been about three months since the <laughs> the last trim <laughs> I was going to say, because it looks like you've got more blonde here in the mustache. I do. And then, uh, and dark, I've dark actually, hair along the jawline. I've actually found out that it's, uh, I have red hair in my beard. So like I am, I've, I've got a, a little bit of red hair. I've got yeah. blonde, red, brown. It's a whole plethora of uh, follicle colors. So I, I do as well. And especially once I started growing out the beard, basically when I got out of law enforcement, it was like. Oh, there's red in there. What yeah. what is going on? <laughs> where did this come from? <laughs> yeah, where is this? Uh, yeah, do you uh, do you do the oils or uh, or yeah? Anything? I've been I've been uh, doing the, like I've got some beard balm stuff. I try and condition it. It's good stuff, to, man. Trying, like yeah, like it's gotten to the point. My wife one one day she actually uh, started to braid it, and I was like. Just a little bit longer. Like I'm gonna have to start doing like have like little Viking braids in there. Oh yeah, absolutely, definitely. Uh, a la Fat Thor. In, yeah, in game. yes, definitely. It, it, yeah, he was a little chubby, but his beard game was on point, man. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, he had like, the braid, the tight braid. I was like, that's you can nice. be as chubby cool. as you want if you got if your beard game's on point. Like, exactly. That's straight from Andy Cummins. That's going yeah. on a shirt, man. That's that's uh it's it's a rule. <laughs> it's a rule now. 
Oh my god. So uh just before the pandemic hit, we were both at an open mic here in Greenville at Radio Room, mm-hmm. uh Adam Schulte's room. And I mentioned to you that I might be starting a Star Trek podcast. Do you recall this? I do. I remember that. <laughs> you were half of a very short list of possible co-hosts <laughs> for this very show. <laughs> We're pretty close in age. I was born in 83. I'm 37. I was born in 84. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I imagine you're a Picard kid. Is that, is that yeah. fair to say? Yeah. Well, uh, pretty much uh, next generation. Like my family actually, like for a while, we actually watched, you know, when it came out, like oh, as it was coming out. That's cool. Um, and I remember even before that, like being exposed to like some of the original star trek series Mm -hmm. so it's like i I always had a fondness for star trek always liked it so who i I mean so i assume picard's your captain Mm -hmm. who's who's your who's your other go-to crew member from next gen or or any show who's who's your who do you who you choose Uh, well let's see uh to be uh i think honestly uh data is is my my go-to tough to go wrong um, with data because uh well it's a funny story uh one of the reasons why data is the the person i go to there's an episode in uh next generation it was whenever uh they actually uh, data meets his father yeah uh, that, that episode uh-huh. uh because i was watching that with my family and like in that episode like uh his creator uh is really old but he's he's really old and like he winds up dying and like there's the whole thing of data is like data's not gonna die like he's gonna be a, at least not anytime soon like yeah. he's gonna be around for a long time and not in the conventional sense yeah yeah and my little child brain at that moment realized like i was gonna die like oh wow i like mortality hit me in that moment and I just lost it. I started crying because I was like, people are going to die. <laughs> I was like, so yeah, it was like wow. because of that episode, like I, I had that realization. I, I got through it, like I <laughs> got to the other side, but it was mm-hmm. like, yeah, it was like a, like a foundational experience for me of like just being aware of like, you're not going to live forever. You're going to die. People wow. do like people you love are going to die. Uh, you're going to be alive when people you love die. Um, so you're going to have to deal with that. Uh, and then just the aspect of like, do you want to live forever? Like, how long do you, are you going to be alive for? Like, if data never dies. Like, he's constantly going to experience the same thing. Yeah. And if he gets what he wants, which is to be more human and have emotion and feel these things, he's going to wind up having to like deal with that constantly. Yep. So it's like, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Like it, it almost made it to a, a point where I was like, okay, it's going to be okay. Like, yeah, it, it, this happens. Like everybody dies and folks be, be sure okay. to check out the comedy stylings of Andy Cummins. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Like, but that's like, that's uh, so that's so wild just because most folks that come on that are roughly our age are kind of yeah. like, Oh man, Picard's so cool, and Counselor Troy is super hot. That's that's about <laughs> as deep as we get. 
But I mean, the, the, admittedly, it's of my own mortality, I understood <laughs> what death was. <laughs> no, it's like it's really weird. Like I will admit that you know, definitely had a crush on uh, on Counselor Troy for sure. Oh yeah, but uh, but but no, like it was one of those things of it was kind of an intense thing to happen, yeah. uh, especially just for it being a, just watching Star Trek. Yeah. I had, I don't think my parents were ready for, uh, to like have that talk. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was just like, but it's just like, it's, it just snapped like right in my head. As soon as that happened, it was like, Oh, we're, we're going to die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, to, and also as far as like captains go, surprisingly enough, like, Picard is definitely like, in my opinion, one of the greatest captains. But like, I have um, like as far as like once I got older, uh, Janeway was kind of like one of my favorite captains. And I mean, like Commander Cisco, like it's yeah. it's such like a toss up between the three because like Picard is like definitely like the kind of like Picard's like my Star Trek dad. Janeway's my my Star Trek mom. Commander Cisco is like more or less like uh, my star trek ethical compass because like (laughs) he had to with deep space nine and everything being more of like to a certain extent more of a soap opera of star trek yeah like he had he had to deal with uh, i felt like a lot more of the ethical dilemmas of what it has what it takes to be in just one place we're not just we're not exploring anymore we're a base we're here everything's coming to us good and bad yeah so it's like strange and familiar yeah (laughs) Yeah. he would like i like always like they were all very very important like kirk is cool yeah (laughs) oh yeah and no one will take that away from him no no one's gonna take it away but at the same time it's like he's probably like the least important like to me as far as the like i'm gonna there's gonna be hate mail for for saying that probably (laughs) yeah um, i I, picard i've always felt was the father figure yeah whereas sisk and this is going to sound weird but it may make sense when i say it picard was the father figure but cisco was the dad yeah there we go it's you know you had the disciplinarian but then you had the the wise loving caring nurturing you know what? I would almost say like Cisco is the granddad. Like Cisco is like a really yeah. good granddad. Like, it, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, he's not going to get mad at you, really. Like, unless you really mess up, but he's gonna right. he's gonna have more patience with you. Like Picard's gonna be like, no, you get why'd you mess up? Why'd you like why'd you mess up? We're we're dealing with it now. Yeah. Like Cisco's gonna be like, <laughs> think think for a second. Yeah. I've I've always said I've always said uh it, personally Picard is my captain mm-hmm. but I got to go with Janeway as the quote unquote best captain just yeah. because so many things were stacked against her and her crew oh, yeah. <laughs> and she still got everybody home yeah. for the most part yeah. got got everybody home and uh yeah for that reason alone in terms of my helmsman this is where yeah. I actually go to Enterprise yeah. and uh Travis Mayweather Mm-hmm. I spoke about this a few episodes ago. Travis Mayweather manually piloting the NX-01 through mm-hmm. a minefield. I'll yeah. I'll take, you know, a lot of people would say Tom Paris for his yeah. on the Delta Flyer and everything. And I get that. Speed, speed's great. I'll take skill over speed any day. Yeah, yeah. Par- Paris is great. And like, uh, that's the other thing is like, I'll Tom Paris, like you have to give him credit 
where it's due because like definitely the speed definitely and sure. as far as it goes like um his will it like him being like i think anybody on the voyager crew gets like extra points because of like you said everything's against you you're yeah. lost in like an unknown part of the universe hell so half the like, crew half yeah. the crew was my key yeah you're just getting, <laughs> you're just getting thrown out like yeah. like None of us know where we're at. We're just gonna try. Which way is home? Yep. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> let's take let's take a shot. I always thought it was one of the coolest things uh, was uh, the Tom Paris is. I think he is the only. Well, I guess Janeway too. The two of them are the only Starfleet members that I know of. I'm, I might be wrong, but the only two that have ever traveled at warp ten. Like whoa. Uh, they modify that one spacecraft in uh, one of the Voyager episodes, mm-hmm. and he they travel. Uh, they Paris is the one who who flies the ship, and he disappears, and they like lose contact with him, and then like he comes over the the intercom and everything, and is like they're like where are you? And he's like I'm everywhere. Like he has gone so fast that like he is everywhere in the universe, and he comes when he comes back, like he starts to mutate. Oh that, yeah, have actually been like altered because of breaching <laughs> of warp ten. Yeah, so it's like like, and then J- he kidnaps Janeway, and then they get like they go to that planet, and that's one of the weird things that they've never I've never seen it discussed. But like they find them on the planet, we've never seen mutated. it discussed outside of memes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they've mutated into the weird things. And they they catch them, but they see little babies of them scurry off. So like Janeway and Paris have like weird super like either super or reverse evolved creatures yeah. on an alien planet <laughs> in an Somewhere unknown quadrant. In the Delta of space. quadrant. Yeah. <laughs> and they manage to to bring like get them and turn them back to normal, which like yet again, suspension of disbelief is great. Um, and you know, I guess having a holographic doctor is, you know, sure makes it a lot easier too. Like, he's, <laughs> like he can figure it out. But, um, <clears throat> and I mean, if I'm wrong, like, please, like, I, I, I want somebody to correct me. But like, I, I haven't watched Voyager in so long, but I remember that episode vividly. Is like that's one of the most. I mean, oh, rather yeah. than anything with Seven of Nine, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, like that was just like one of the craziest things to me was like, dude, yeah. this guy's willing to like, oh, no one's uh, the fastest we've gone is like warp 9.9. Like that's the fastest we can go. Yeah. Oh no, I got it. We got it. We're going to take it up 0.1. Yeah. We're going to this thing that no one's ever gone before. Let's see what happens. And he's like, I'll fly it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you got balls, man. Like you got, yeah, for sure. You got, you got you're willing to do. But I mean, yet again, why not? We're already lost in the middle of nowhere. Like, yeah. <laughs> what's the worst that could happen? Exactly. Yeah. Oh, man. So you being big on next gen DS9 and Voyager, did you have much experience with Enterprise this this first entry into the franchise? It is the one that I have watched the least of. I, I watched this episode and I think I remember having seen it at one point. And I was gonna bring this up, and I like <laughs> I honestly think the reason that I did not watch more Enterprise is 100 percent because of the intro. 
Like it is. <laughs> I knew it. It. The, oh. it is the one. It is the the one of the series that has like a a, a musical, like a song a with song. lyrics, <laughs> and it is. Yeah, people can be mad at me. I don't care. It is garbage. <laughs> And for some reason, it like I, I could not get into watching it because, like, I was like, I can't, I can't get behind the song. Like, I can't do it. Like, I, I can't. I, I don't agree with this. There's not supposed to be lyrics. I, I don't need a theme song for Star Trek. I need something orchestral. I like. Yep. I want like you can you can have a voiceover. You can be like space, final frontier. Like these are the voyages. Like you, you can you can do that. I am absolutely for that. You could have been like, space, this is our first voyage. I would have been like, ah, that's brilliant. Yeah. This is our first voyage. Like, this is the Enterprise. Yes. But no, like, I can't, I, I can't even, my brain, like, I'm trying to remember how it's going. And like I said, I just watched this episode, like, the other day to, to be up to date for this. And my brain has already blocked it out. Like, I, I, know, <laughs> I know it sounds like a bad country song. And it's just like, it is like a bad, <laughs> it's a bad country song mixed with a, a bad, uh, uh, trying to, I can't even like early anything. 2000s. Uh, it's like if, if, if Bon Jovi and Toby Keith had a song baby, <laughs> the, the abomination that was born was that song. And I don't ever want it to exist. Like every episode I've watched of Enterprise, I'm like, this is great. Like, this is great. But if if I have like, I'm going to start watching it again just because I can now. There's, thank God, a button that is like skip intro because like, I don't need that. I don't. Like, I, well, let me let me set your mind at ease. <laughs> Every single guest that has come on this show has hated, not just like, oh, I'm not into it. They adamantly hate that song. <laughs> I'm one, like, it, it boggles my mind how that got passed as like, yeah. this is, this is good. Like, I feel like that was like somebody, it was CBS, right? CBS was. Uh, UPN. UPN produced it. Oh, yeah. Really? Well, I guess. Yeah. It was, I mean, it's still a CBS Paramount property, but all I can, all I can assume is like, that was like somebody at CBS or UPN's like, like nephew and is like, oh, he's got this song. He really (laughs) wants it on something like we need a song. Right. And it's like, but that's not the right song. Uh, If you want it, if you want this greenlit, you got to use this song. Like that's the only way I'm going to allow this to happen. I feel like that's the only way that that song was approved was it was approved before anything else. Yeah. And it was, there was pure nepotism involved. (laughs) Well, I will, I will say fans would have allowed that to happen had they had a choice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot, I mean, and I've gone into, you know, I'll save the listeners repeating all of my, here we are in season two of this podcast. This is episode 23. I have spoken at great length about <laughs> the changes I would have made yeah. uh, story-wise, uh, some of the aesthetics, and yeah. uh, not honestly, not a lot of acting changes. But yeah. 
there are some things that like, oh man, we sh- should have taken another pass at that. <laughs> but no. yeah, it's it's one of those, it, this is one of those shows where I like the fact that, because when I've told the fellow, my fellow nerds that I was doing the Star Trek podcast and everything, I'm covering everything in chronological order. And it You see the light click on immediately and they go, oh, so you're doing enterprise yeah. first aren't you yeah. i go yeah i'm doing yes it. it comes first but you know what <laughs> we're getting it out of the way yeah, <laughs> when it's done it's done yeah yeah exactly <laughs> can, I, can i can i throw out a fan theory that i have about enterprise please um, as much as you like i personally the way i personally think of enterprise is it is a long form uh quantum leap episode like because like just because bacula like it's like i I can't i don't care if it's unrelated or anything but in my brain all i can think is like scott bacula he jumped into the the captain of the enterprise and like he's got it he's got to get through these seasons (laughs) before he can jump to the to the next leap ziggy's just trying to get home ziggy how long do i have to be here Four years? <laughs> oh God! <laughs> Who are you talking to? And where's that <laughs> no, song no, no. coming from? Turn that <laughs> damn thing off. <laughs> but yeah, per- personal personal fan theory is it's just qu- it's a quantum leap episode. Like it's the <laughs> that's the longest uh, stay that he ever had. <laughs> that's that's not a terrible way to look at it. And did you see that Dean Stockwell has been a has been a guest star? No. Yes. If uh. you. From from where we're at, um, this is uh, we're covering season two, episode four, Dead Stop. Mm-hmm. But if you go back to season one, episode twenty one, okay, detained. Archer and Travis Mayweather wake up in an internment camp, and the internment camp is run by Dean Stockwell. And oh my god! He and Bacula chew the scenery so good it's just oh it's 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 worth checking out even i mean even if you didn't see it go yeah. back it's it's so no, much I'm like i'm i'm willing to go back to like <laughs> definitely skip intro but i'm willing yeah. to go back and watch that just because like yeah that's uh i, I like the idea of a reunion right there <laughs> oh yeah it's it's well worth it because he, he he even gets the dramatic turn to camera of like and Dean Stockwell. Yes, <laughs> the reveal. Oh, <laughs> uh, but it's so much fun to see. So, so this is probably. Uh, you said you may have watched it before. You didn't have a lot of. You didn't have a lot of experience with this series in comparison to the others. Yeah. What are your overarching thoughts on this particular episode? Now, this I will say this episode directly ties into the last episode season two episode three which is minefield mm-hmm. um but so, how, what was your uh thumbs up thumbs down would you know I'm honestly like thumbs up like i i really enjoyed the episode because and honestly it, it played off of some of my favorite aspects of star trek like just uh something that's absolutely unknown like that's completely like we don't know what this is like exactly just uh like i i'm I'm definitely not gonna like jump too far into anything until you do the recap just in case like i don't want to i don't want to spoil anything for the recap but um just as as far as like the the ship that's all i'm gonna say is 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 the uh 
the the repair uh ship that whole thing like definitely like and, and i mean if you can answer this question for me because and like especially after we get through the recap and everything i want to know what's up with it i need to know more like that is the that's one of the first times i think that i have seen an episode of enterprise where i'm like why didn't i why didn't i stick with this i need yeah now now i'm compelled to find out more about this well this particular episode was uh and we'll and we'll get into it when we get to the stats uh was favored and something of note was not only the fascinating sci-fi aspect but the terror mm-hmm. of something like this that i mean it it's out of some of the more modern but definitely panic and paranoia inducing horror films yeah uh so before we get much further let's get into this week's recap spoiler alert spoiler alert spoiler alert next wednesday on upn enterprise discovers a repair station that works miracles something doesn't smell right but the service comes at a terrible cost he's dead tell me what happened life support's failing we don't disengage soon we'll be incinerated get us out of here all new enterprise next wednesday at 8 7 central on you after season two episode three minefield archer and trip inspect the ship like they did at the beginning of the pilot way back when given the amount of damage this feels so horribly damaged and the travel time to Jupiter Station. This is no time to argue about time. We don't have the time. Archer decides that it's time for someone to help them out for once and orders Hoshi, reluctantly, to send a general distress call. A passing Tellarite freighter hits him up and gives them coordinates to an automated repair facility three days away at Warp 2. Upon arriving at the facility, the ship is scanned and the station reconfigures itself to suit the crew's needs. Enterprise then docks and the station sets the full repair price at 200 liters of warp plasma and an estimated time of completion at just over 34 hours. Wow. Archer, left without any other option, agrees, although later he has a gut feeling that not everything is as it appears. Intrigued by the station's technology, Trip convinces Reed to visit the station's computer room, but their attempt to do so is detected, and they are beamed back to the Enterprise's bridge. <laughs> A false comm message directs Travis to an area currently being repaired. His body is soon found after an apparent victim of an electrical shock. (laughs) When Doc Flox discovers that the dead Travis is a well-replicated duplicate, Archer resolves to search the station for him. Trip then distracts the computer and Reed again triggers the alarm, giving T'Pol and Archer time to enter a computer room filled with bodies among which are a Klingon a Vulcan and a Cardassian apparently the station's method of augmenting its own processing power Travis is rescued just as the station starts attacking Enterprise in retaliation Archer then detonates the warp plasma payment to blow up the station and escape as the ship warps away the few active components of the station begin repairing its own damage. If we look together, maybe some magic will happen. So, like I said, this has some elements of really some more modern paranoia-focused horror movies. Now, back in season one of Enterprise, 
uh, fight or flight is where we see sort of a more standard, almost house of horrors type episode where they're going into a dark ship and then they find bodies hanging from the ceiling, being drained of their blood and the whole thing. But this, we actually get, I think we're lulled into a false sense of security and wonder at this super advanced ship that can just replicate parts and replicate food and everything's clean and pristine. And then you find out, oh yeah, we're using bodies as our computer. (laughs) What? Oh my God. (laughs) The secret payment. Like what it like actual payment. Oh man. One member of your crew to like keep my computers running. Exactly. Wow. The whole fact that it is not it's autonomous like it's there's no there's nobody running the ship like there's no one telling it to do it it's just part of it's like it's part of its operating system is like you need another processor get get one just yep and the uh, the the doctor when he's freaked out because like it can replicate a human body to perfection but like the only thing it couldn't do was replicate the few things that he used to inoculate. Yeah. Like the yeah. tiniest thing. It wasn't able to like scan that and perfect it and get it put in. So like, that's the only reason that they even knew that it wasn't him. Yeah. Had they, had he not checked the blood, had they not had to be inoculated previously, they would have just left him there. They would have yep. been like, Oh, something happened. Yeah. Too bad. Like, oh. We're not going to ask any more questions probably. Yeah. Like, because it would have been perfect. And you got to figure between the average brain's ability to compute, not to mention there were like dozens of bodies in there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh my God. And alien, well, I'll put alien in quotes, but like alien bodies. So there's no telling what their brains are capable of and the, and the information they may contain. So that was, that was one of the things to me that was like, how does it know to put everything in English? How does it know? Like that they haven't they haven't interacted with whatever this comes from. Like whoever created it, they don't know, but yet it knows. Yeah, like it scanned. It was able to scan the computers and pick up all like just take all the information. Like oh, yeah. without without asking, it just took information and it knew exactly what what it needed to fix it. Like you said, it could replicate anything. And that's the thing is like, so how close is this technology in itself to like, my, I almost wonder if like it had enough processing power, enough people, enough brains connected to it, Uh would it be able to replicate a completely living entity? Like if it was able to process the, the human, like a brain. Uh-huh. It could get enough information to where it's like, okay, I can actually make a functioning living being. What is what is it going to be capable of? Yeah. Like, yeah. So it's like and I mean, you're repairing all kinds of systems. So clearly weapons and warp yeah. capability are not out of the realm of possibility. Okay. I'm like, yeah, again, I have not watched <laughs> enough of this to where like I, I don't know if like it's gonna come up later on, but I am gonna point out the fact. That this thing could totally be the beginning of the board. Like I was just about to say, one I think one of the more popular fan theories is that it is somehow related to the board. Like it would it would make total sense. Yeah. Like 
because as far as it goes, like if it's like, okay, I can't completely create a existence, but yet why not make it to where I put myself into the living thing mm-hmm. and connect it to me. Yep. So I become a hive. Yeah. <laughs> Add, adding your technological and physiological mm-hmm. distinctions to our own. Like, totally the board. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now um, we'll, we'll jump ahead and uh, go ahead and mention that since we, since we're on the subject, there is a note here that I found uh, that the same type of station appears again in a novel called Rise of the Federation Uncertain Logic. Mm-hmm. And it's revealed that they belong to a race known as the Ware. And it's W-A-R-E. So, I, and that's that's the only thing I see here uh, listed on the Wikipedia page so, for this episode. But that's, I mean... It, so defi- it definitely me, makes me want to go get that novel and find out what's going on. <laughs> to what you're telling me, and like yet again, I'm making this assessment without all the information. But um, I'm so it's the where's fault that there's the Borg. Like that's that's what you're telling. Me. <laughs> that's what I'm hearing. Like, the where made the this where thing, and this thing eventually made the Borg. And <laughs> so, okay, if if we can do time travel. <laughs> You're right. We can do time travel in Star Trek. Okay. You just got to go through a black hole, right? Yeah. So, like, <laughs> go back to before the wear had made this ship, destroy it. I mean, yes, this destroys, like, completely offsets first contact and everything else, but also, like, there's no more Borg. We ended yeah. the Borg, baby. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, my gosh. That's so wild. I, gotta, I want that to be a uh, fanfic now. Like, somebody oh, yeah. like. Yeah, I think I think that's one of the things that I'm really I I mean, I wouldn't have started this podcast if I wasn't looking forward to all of it. But one of the things that I have integrated into the timeline for this show are a select few fan uh, fanfics. And um, I'm really looking forward to diving into those and seeing what cracks they fill in and where they uh I, well, I mean, some of them are very well made, <laughs> but, uh, you know, going back to what you just said about time travel, it's so funny to me that in the Kelvin timeline, this, the JJ mm. Abrams movies, they're able to go, well, I guess it's not technically time travel if they're in an alternate reality as, as yeah. they discussed in the film. But if you go to first contact, the movie mm. first contact. I, I feel a sense of, well, I, I feel really stupid anytime I watch Star Trek because they're able to do like quantum mechanics in their head at the drop of a hat. It's like, oh man, that ship's stuck. What should we do? Okay. We get the deflector dish and we modify the beam to, do, you know, can we do that? Well, yes. Beep, boop, boop. Well, you gotta think, you gotta think like if, if the human, if the human brain is constantly evolving and learning, uh-huh. like there was probably at one point in history when like addition was calculus to the average person yeah so like if you just keep going and eventually like yeah like maybe in that that far in the future yeah like they're just able to do yeah quantum physics and like just sure. be able to do these huge <laughs> yeah, because, in their head. yeah because in first contact you know the board that sphere comes out of the board cube yeah. and then goes back in time and they just kind of follow it yeah, but they've 
but they've obviously scanned to just see what they've done. Yeah. And they're just able to replicate it yeah. perfectly to get them back home. Like, yeah. what? wait, what? <laughs> so this okay. thing has never happened to our knowledge, at least to like people who have watched the show and everything. <laughs> yeah. All we all we have to do, <laughs> yeah, but yet again, beauty of the suspension of disbelief. Yeah. Um, is like, yeah, all we have to do is like see it happen one time. Hopefully the scanners pick up enough information. Mm-hmm. We look over it real quick, give us about maybe a day and a half, yeah. and uh and we'll fit we'll figure it out. Like that's all exactly. I need. I mean, you gotta think it has to partially be thanks to the computer, you know, like right. They're they're definitely using tools. You uh, know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, it, but it, there are a lot of times when it's like, I don't know, like, did you did you <laughs> just say a number? Did you just say like rock rock tied <laughs> to a stick? Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> like, this is this is not this is not going to work. Like I'm I don't trust the computer. Does <laughs> 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 what he said make sense? <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's it's funny cuz uh you know, looking at some of the episodes and we've actually dealt with a little bit of time travel in season 1 with mm-hmm. um them introducing the temporal cold war and I had my good friend Gary Horn on the show who he adamantly hates time travel and not yeah. and not like Star Trek time travel all time travel in movies because there's no consistency (laughs) and it just seems to be endless loopholes to get the story across and then i pointed out that in that episode of star trek where archer gets pulled to the past and the future you realize they just pulled his consciousness to the past but they pulled his consciousness and body to the future so they're doing two different types of time travel. He goes, "You may have just melted my brain." <laughs> Wait, so like his like so his consciousness yeah. gets put into a different body in the his past. Con- his consciousness gets put into his own body ten months in the past. Right, right. <laughs> but then from present day, from the Enterprise, yeah, he gets pulled into the thirty-first century. He gets pulled. Way, way far way. ahead yeah. and uh as a safety precautions like well if you die we can't have you die but because we've pulled you forward all this apocalypse has happened they pull him into this apocalyptic future it's it's a really fascinating <laughs> episode but so it's like so it's like they they did a uh they 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 did a copy sent it to the past to ensure that yeah, the copy existed. If anything bad happened in the future, uh-huh. but yet it does go to the point of like, so when you send him back, do you have to wait till you took the copy to the future and then send the copy of the copy to the past again? Well, and then put the one that you brought to the future in the spot. <laughs> exactly. Well, my my whole big thing with that was where did the consciousness in the past go? Like. Yeah. Now, I think they explain it away as when, because he's, he's in bed asleep. Yeah. So that's when he gets pulled into the body 10 months ago. So yeah. I think they'll explain it away that by enter, entering a dream state, you're actually able to have a waking consciousness and, and so unconsciousness. It, it, it was like to put the, push the real him as a subconscious. Right. And then the future, the future him 
took control temporarily yeah. until they needed to get rid of it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fair, fair enough. Yet again, suspension of disbelief. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's, but I, you got to wonder in the writer's room, like how much thought was that of just like, oh, let's just shove them back 10 months. <laughs> it, does, it does feel a little like forced because like I'm, I totally like I'm, I'm all for like multiverse theory because like I had like if you if you were to tell me that you traveled back in time and you altered uh altered the future mm-hmm. you wouldn't like my whole thing is is like well you wouldn't alter the future timeline that you came from you just created a branch because that timeline still exists yep you just had to jump from that point back here to create that split that's all you can do like yep. there's now you're stuck on this timeline until you know how to travel through dimensions because all you're doing is riding backwards. Like that's all you're doing. Exactly. There is. And I mentioned this a few episodes back. I fell down a rabbit hole on YouTube of different Star Trek aspects being explained through fan made videos. And yeah. someone approached the idea of how many timelines are there? Yeah. And it's if you keep in mind, every time someone leaves, quote unquote, the prime timeline, that creates a branch. Yeah, absolutely. If we've if we've learned anything from Loki. Yeah. Is that when you the, divert, the you create a branch in the Star Trek universe. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so the art project I need is a TVA classroom with all the captains going <laughs> and Loki at a chalkboard going, don't travel through time. <laughs> You're all variants. <laughs> You're all variants. <laughs> and have like one Kirk, have like regular Kirk pointing to Chris Pine and the animated one going, all of us? <laughs> yes, all Kirk of you. The, you have to have the Kirk with the uh, with the goatee. You have to have like evil, like evil dimension. Oh gosh, yeah. Well, I mean, that, that even like what what like I want now. There needs to be a fan fiction of like why the evil Star Trek universe came into play. Like who traveled back in time uh-huh. to create that split to where like now Spock has a goatee. Like <laughs> yeah, all all it was all it all of it like just Kirk travels to the past for a joke and like Spock's like I'm trying this goatee and he's like looks great. <laughs> and goes back to the future and like now it's like and he really got he got mean like because everybody was making fun of that goatee <laughs> oh my god yeah oh <laughs> yeah it's uh oh man that's such a funny idea gosh i hope uh, man i really hope that gets explored <laughs> well uh, they actually allude to the fact that the mirror universe when it's approached in enterprise uh-huh. Sort of, sort of back ends to the original series Mirror Universe. There's a bit of a crossover there. Yeah. And I think there's been some other things alluded to in different Mirror Universes because, spoiler alert, Hoshi on mm. Enterprise in the Mirror Universe ends up becoming Empress Hoshi. She ends up killing everybody and taking over. Oh, and I, wow. I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's alluded to that. Empress Giorgio in uh, Discovery, yeah, is a descendant. Of her? I think, I think, I think you're right. Like I, I can't, 
It's yeah. been a while since I've watched the first two seasons. Mm-hmm. But like once they started playing with the the mirror universe with that one, I was like, yeah, this is nice. It's gonna be cool. <laughs> like, and that's the other thing I'm looking forward to with time travel and this podcast is we're gonna cover because we're going in chronological order. Yeah. So we'll get to discovery and we'll hit season one and season two and not talk about it for yeah. years afterwards until yeah. until we get to the future season three where. Burnham comes bursting out of the sky and lands on that planet and goes, Uh, scan for life forms. And we're all going to go, everything's fine, honey. And she'll go, yeah. (laughs) But I'm really looking forward to it. I think, you know, in looking at so many things that we've done on the show, even just covering the first season and change of Enterprise, we've seen so many of the writers and even in looking at some documentaries and some uh, a couple of articles about like, hey, what it's like on the set of Star Trek. Yeah. These are not your average TV writers. Yeah. They are some smart people, like really smart people. There's a couple of them that have been maybe not head writers, but like consultants and stuff. And like, oh, what'd you do before you worked on Star Trek? Oh, I had a little gig with NASA. What? Yeah. <laughs> It was, you know, just, you know, went to space a couple times and now I'm working on this TV show. <laughs> uh, okay. So kids, if you want to be on Star on Star Trek, all you have to be is an astronaut yeah, <laughs> or, a little bit. or an amazing actor. <laughs> now, like with the stuff now, it's probably better if you, you're like a little into quantum physics and yeah. like, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like geez. theoretical stuff. Like, sure. Or with a lot of money or enough guts to fill out the application to go with the guy from Japan yeah. to, or or a really close friend of Elon Musk, which if yeah. you are, I'm <laughs> so sorry. Yeah. You just uh, be careful. Just be careful. <laughs> like, but no, like that's the, uh, but yeah, like, I mean, even with it, with this episode, just like what they were doing. Yeah. with the the storyline of like adding something in that was so so foreign yeah but also like it, l- it lulls you in with that false sense of security to where yeah. it's like no this is like I, I know your language I, I know what you like I can make you anything that you want uh-huh. and it's like to know that there's like things out there that are capable of just literally being the like the venus fly traps of of space to a certain extent to where it's like i need something from you you don't know that yeah but i'm gonna make it look like all this is gonna be so enticing to you because once they're like oh this thing can just make everything for us like why wouldn't you want to go back why wouldn't you send more ships there if like oh we just lost one crew member because he was he was goofing with some of the electrical equipment while the ship was being repaired. Sure. And all you had to do is pay some, like, pay a little bit of uh, warp plasma. Like, yeah, uh-huh. if your ship gets real messed up, go to that thing. Yeah. Oh, we keep losing crewmates. It's just one. Uh, it's just one every time. But the ship was in really, it was in bad in a bad way. We just. Yeah, it was worth it. Yeah, it was one it was worth one, like, living person (laughs) well this is this is you know in us talking about this just now makes me think this is the one instance where the phrase the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few this is where it backfires 
Oh man. Yeah. Like that's, I mean, you got to like, to a certain extent, if the, yet again, I don't know anything about the wear, but if they had a very utilitarian, like uh, society and the yeah. fact that it's like any, any group of people in that much need will be willing to give one of their own to save everyone else yeah. because we'd be willing to do that. So we just make it a cost. It's something that culturally to us is completely viable and completely no problem. So like anybody should be willing to do the same. The only thing is, if that's the other thing too, it could have also been a situation to where if it knew culturally that it was like, oh, we're totally fine with that. They might have just been like, your payment is one crewman, like offer up one person. But scanning the computer and learning about human culture and it's like oh they don't they don't do this no they should yeah they, they, so this, they're not about this yeah we're, we're gonna, gonna figure something out you choose one of these three the real option isn't gonna be there and we're just gonna we're gonna take it if you accept like read I, the I, terms and services like it's <laughs> a yeah time. exactly always read the terms and services yeah. um the it's a clever scam because maybe to other races, like you said, yeah, that's the thing. It's like, hey, we need we need one crew member, yeah, and they go, yeah, sure. But then they're encounter they encounter Enterprise and they make it work to their favor of like we also need two hundred liters of warp plasma, but that's the oh that's all we need. Yeah. Now they have a then all they have to do is just trick one. Yeah, if they can, right. which with the computing with the computing power of dozens of alien races you think you can't outsmart some stick jockey like yeah, yeah. Oh, like we're, here, we're gonna we're gonna these, trick one person these and fearless ba- apes based, based <laughs> yeah based on this based on the captain's log yeah. we'll probably trick bacula <laughs> yeah. Yeah. he's made some really bad calls thus far he keeps talking to some guy named ziggy he's not even <laughs> a crew <laughs> But yeah, like uh, to to a certain extent, like the story could have played out completely different had it been a situation because like just saying the whole thing of it scanning the computer system, it would be able to learn any any species culture right off the bat. Yep, Like it would know what it values, what's most important. And like it would know if it could easily make this bark. So it's like that machine i mean if it, if it was using those people as processing to a certain extent like it was using biological rational thought it wasn't just being it wasn't just a computer by the numbers it was going like this is what we like deception was in play yeah so it's like it, it's really weird to think of what that 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 ship itself was capable of not to mention like whoever the whoever made it and like what other things they could have made using that same kind of because most likely they made that ship the first processing components were probably of their own species so they were probably either willingly gave them up or depending on you know yet again don't know enough about the where but if uh if they they could have just been like no we're putting this out here so that we can get more stuff so yeah you know, your sacrifice benefits everybody else. Yeah. It's a big lobster trap. Yeah. <laughs> We're yeah. just going to reel them in. <laughs> yeah. We'll take, we'll, in addition to taking a crewman, we'll tell mm-hmm. them it costs 
200 liters or this yeah. component or we that get, component. We get a little bit extra. Oh, and we also got all the stuff in their computer as well. Yeah. Like, and I mean, a, just the, the fact that like there was a certain level of uh, trying to make it right to a certain extent by being yeah. like, we are taking this person. They're not really dead yet. Like they're gonna, they're going yeah. to eventually be just a vegetable. Uh-huh. But like, so that you don't just have a person completely disappear. Yeah. Like number one, it drops the suspicion, but on top of it, we gave you a body. We gave you something to say goodbye to. You we get closure. You, you get closure. Yeah. Oh man. You get to have your you get to have your Federation ceremony of launching the the body into space. We like we were fair. Like depending on how their culture designed it to process, like how it's gonna be fair and how it's gonna work out right. Like it could have been trying to do to a certain extent, like maybe it was trying to do like what it thought was the the best course of action for everybody in the situation. Like, well, and I, I think that's where uh, I I think that's where I'm disappointed with this episode mm -hmm. in that they sent trip to (laughs) to (laughs) trick the computer as opposed to someone like to Paul or, or Archer having a duel of wits. Because yeah. all the computer has to say is, do you know how many people we've helped? How many yeah. people we've saved for the cost of one crewman? Yeah. And maybe, and maybe, and maybe that's where the phrase comes from. Our mm-hmm. motto, our motto on this station is the needs of the many outweigh the, na- the needs of the few. And yeah. maybe to Paul hears that. And then it becomes slowly integrated into Vulcan culture, which is where Spock mm-hmm. picks it up and uses it as his dying words. Like, yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> it could, it could be a like, yeah. Like the, the logic of it. Yeah. Some, like she actually like understands the logic of it. Yep. To where it's like, this is, yeah. this is actually, and to a certain extent to have like, I'm almost curious too, to where it's like, what if, what if the choice had been presented? Like, what if, what if it had been presented to, it could scan all the crew. It mm-hmm. could analyze people. Could it not have found potentially someone on the ship who would have been like somebody who was like really into technology, who like, re- like was to the point of like, I know. And um, like there was care, there were characters that were on um, Star Trek uh, on um, next generation that like guys who wanted to be more like data. Like there were characters who wanted to integrate into computer systems, who wanted to be part of, they didn't want to be a person. They wanted to be somewhat cold. They wanted to give up that, that humanity because they wanted to be part of it. Who's to say that there wasn't a member on the ship that would have been like, this is what I want. Yeah. Like this is, this is actually my dream to like, can, if it can promise that it's like painless and like, I'm not going to suffer which it didn't seem like he was like when, when he was plugged up to the machine, it was, it was just like this, it could have been handled so much differently had, had there, it's all about communication, man. Yeah. Yeah. I think halfway on there, halfway their fault, halfway that ship's fault. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think, you know, in, you know, that might've been an, an interesting thing of like when they are presented with, the list of things that maybe that, you know, that last thing is like Ensign Smith. Yeah. And they're like, like wait a minute. Specific Ensign crew, Smith. Yeah, what are you talking about? Like name on yeah. the list. Yeah. 
to where it's like no we can't give a a person and like at the end of it like have it to where it's like no i've thought about it you know i'm willing i want to go yeah i'm willing to be part like to be part of it yeah like it had there is the duel of wits and then you know and of course to paul would most likely side with them going you know, that's not a bad, you know, the, the logic is there, yeah. but then she would also probably present, present the thing of, Hey, shouldn't we ask Ensign Smith? Yeah. Shouldn't we let Ensign Smith know that this has been presented is on the table yeah. and then, yeah, let the, let the Ensign choose. Of because like, obviously like the warp plasma, like they even said, like they had enough to spare if that wasn't going to be an issue, but ev- everything else on the list was like, well, I don't know. Like, I don't know if we can afford to do that. Yeah. So it's like, there was one thing on that list that was obvious, like, it already knew. Uh-huh. Because there would be an itinerary, there would, there would be an inventory, there would be a list of everything that was available. It would know what they had and what, like, what they didn't need. Like, yep. it's already, like, it's processing all this information so quick, but yet it can't tell, like, oh, they can't, they can't go without these things. Yeah. I, that, I think that I think that would have been I think that would have been and don't get me wrong I like this episode it's really great I think it, and that seems to be the running motif with Enterprises it's like I really like it it could have been so much better yeah. that it's you know it ends up you know kind of breaking our hearts a little bit just because I think we've set in our minds we've set that bar so high yeah everything with everything that's come before yeah and it 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 goes with the whole thing of like there's been so many times like through star trek that we've uh that they've been given the opportunity to where it's like just because something is a computer just because it isn't a biological like life form Mm -hmm. does that mean that you don't give like some kind of credence to its existence into what it is like yeah. just to immediately like our crewman got kidnapped it got made part of this thing we didn't even try and talk it out when obviously this thing is capable of a high level of processing because then that is the question we, you don't know where all these other bodies come from yeah. the assumption you make the assumption and in, in the heat of the moment by the end of the episode that all of these uh bodies were taken like by the same methods yeah we don't know that yeah because there is no doubt there's a klingon like there's a klingon on it. Mm-hmm. you have I no doubt that like the klingons would be like we need someone to sacrifice themselves for for this sure. ship for the for the crew for the and klingons for the klingons be, they might fight over who gets to sacrifice yeah. themselves <laughs> yeah they'd be like it'd be like i i want that that glory like yeah. that's my glory like yeah. so who's to say like that that ship did not have and it could have also based off of the other species that had who had had interaction with humans potentially known that it's like there's no way to 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 reason with them the aspect that this is going this is a valid trade yeah and who's to say that had they not made had it not been an eat like a trade at that point that like down the road it's like oh we know we know our dudes back in here like he's one of the the processors if we show up like his brain's gonna recognize us and it could be one of those things like no we got you like you're you, free for life tune-ups because you because <laughs> i know i know i know this guy give him the employee discount this he time is. really really it's just the war the plat the war plasma <laughs> it's, oh hey it's ensign reward card yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> 
No, who's to say that that wouldn't be the the situation? <laughs> exactly. Well, this episode was written by Mike Sussman and Phyllis Strong, and their last work was penning the teleplay for season one, episode twenty one, "Detained," which I mentioned features some guest uh, casting in Dean Stockwell, and it was directed by Roxanne Dawson, aka Belana Torres from Star Trek Voyager. She's actually directed a few things. Last thing. She directed uh, was season one, episode 22, the very next episode after Detained, Vox Sala, uh, which if you like Hoshi, that's a very Hoshi-centric episode. A lot of the crew get tangled up in this entity, and then Hoshi has to figure out its language, which is a combination of math and screeching sounds, and she's still building the Universal Translator at that point. Uh, so yeah, that's a, that's a really fun episode and the guest stars are pretty limited, but the most notable guest star is Roxanne Dawson herself as the voice of the repair station, which is, I didn't realize that when I was, when I watched this, but yeah, that's her in 2005, the digital fix praised this episode for acknowledging the previous episode minefield, you know, we're getting away from that episodic type storytelling into a more serialized storytelling. And there was a little bit in season one, but definitely in season two, we're going to see more. This episode connects in maybe just a small way, but it definitely connects to the next episode. They gave him props for that. And they also gave him props for what they thought was the decent sci-fi concept, a sinister repair station. And I heard that in the production design, they looked to the station in 2001 Space Odyssey. And if you think back to that movie, the clean lines and the, you know, sterile nature of the entire ship and the station, it does lull you into a false sense of security because everything's so symmetrical. And part of that is due to Kubrick's eye. But, you know, part of that, again, your brain likes things to look you know, even and symmetrical and clean. Um, so for a crew to walk into, you know, blood soaked walls and bodies, you know, body parts strewn about, they've seen that at this point, but when they walk into this station, it's very disarming as we've mentioned so far, uh, writing for star Trek.com, Jordan Hoffman was critical of the episodes villain, the station saying, quote, it's hard not to think about the killer repair station as anything other than a haunted conveyor car wash. He's not wrong, but that would also make a really great horror movie. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not against it. Like that's, <laughs> that's terrifying. One of my all time, like biggest anxiety fears is automated car washes. Really? Because when that big spinning thing comes down, like uh -huh. the idea that if it didn't stop and start going over, it just kept coming through. Like that, it's I thought everybody had an idea for a horror movie that like part of it is that a car is getting away from like these Hills Have Eyes type characters uh -huh. and pulls into a gas station and hides inside of a car wash. And they're like, we're safe. Oh, and then yeah. like turns on and it comes down, but instead of being like the floppy washy things, it's like just like barbed wire and knives and stuff all <laughs> attached to it. And it just like plows through the car. So yeah, no, it's scary. Yeah. It's, uh, you know what? Yeah. It is a glorified haunted conveyor 
car wash. So so here's what we and do. It can for, be a scary thing. <laughs> the, the the first one is the car wash gains sentience. Yeah. And it's spent its life in servitude of these little creatures who are always filthy. They're always yeah. filthy. So we're going to start taking them out. And the sequel is the car is also sentient. So now the car and the car wash. So it's like a Christine. Well, the, Christine reason, the reason the car wash. It, yeah. It, it, the car wash wants to kill people because the reason that the cars are always dirty. It's not because of the car. The car mm-hmm. wouldn't want to get dirty. It's not the car's fault. It's yeah. the people in the cars. And cars are built to protect the humans inside them. Yeah, this so is a. Not, we've just, we've just, we've just, inc- we've made our pet rock, Andy. This yeah. is what's going to happen. <laughs> it's it's going to happen, like eventually, especially like with smart, like smart cars, smart car washes. It's eventually going to, like, they're going to put two and two together and be like, we would have to do less, and we would not have to waste so much resources. Yeah, if it weren't for these dirty people and put then, blades on my car wash spinny thing. <laughs> so then. That car wash gets bought and turned into a franchise and then it someone spreads. and that, yeah, it spreads. And then just when they figured out how to beat the franchise, it sends out a signal to all of those little house cleaning robots. The Roombas. The Roombas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're going to be millionaires by the end of the they, month, Andy. They just start like chopping people's toes off. <laughs> Oh gosh. Um in 2017, H and I said, you don't need a shadowy dim spaceship to elicit chills. Sometimes bright, white, and antiseptic can be equally unsettling. I wholeheartedly agree. I've uh, a a family theory of mine, like uh when I was younger, was uh whenever I would go to a friend's house, yeah. like I would make a judgment, like you know, you shouldn't judge people. But uh, I, I did. <laughs> uh, if I went to somebody's house and it was like really dirty, it was like, okay, you're really dirty. If it was kind of a mess, if it was like, you know, cluttery, I was like, this is this is real. But then if it was like perfectly immaculately clean, my brain told me it was like you're hiding something. Something's wrong. Because no one is always this clean. Nothing is ever this perfect what are you hiding so like maybe maybe bacula (laughs) was like this reminds me of a friend of mine his house is always too clean (laughs) maybe that's what his name was ziggy he's left me here for four years remember when we were in that victorian house Oh, uh, in 2017, Den of Geek included Dead Stop on their list of Star Trek's 50 best episodes and wrote the automated station manages to be more sinister and alien than any guest star with its clean and bright interiors. Den of Geek also later ranked this episode as the 26th most scary episode of the franchise. And then in 2018, the gamer ranked this one of the top 25 creepiest episodes in the franchise i yeah these people these people are i i'm hearing a lot that it's a weird concept but it totally worked <laughs> like i i'm not i'm not gonna say it was a scary episode to me it wasn't scary creepy definitely like there's definitely like some it was un- there was uncomfortable aspects to it but it was like i was never like ah 
ah, like, yeah. I wasn't scared. And I don't even think like if I was on the ship at the time, I would have been scared. But like definitely like there was definitely like some sus moments. Like like this is a little weird. Don't you guys think something's up? Right. Like it's a little creepy. <laughs> like there's nobody here. Why isn't there anybody else here if this is such a great deal? Like, like yeah. there ought to be a line around the space block. Yeah, is it like I mean, if you went to a place and they're like, "Oh no, like it's just like super cheap for like all this like wonderful hamburger meat," like wouldn't you be like, "Where are you getting the hamburger meat?" I don't. There's nobody around for you to get the hamburger meat from. Didn't there used there to be are, a ho- did there used to be a horse in. farm around here somewhere? Wait a minute. <laughs> Hold on. (laughs) All we need for all that hamburger meat is one of the people in the car with you. (laughs) Just just wheel into this into this uh, innocuous car wash and uh, and then uh, don't worry about it. Don't even think don't don't even think twice. Just take take it. Take what we give you and go. (laughs) Well, Andy, do you have any parting thoughts about this episode of Enterprise. I'll be honest, like it actually made, like I said uh, earlier, it does make me want to um, watch some more of Enterprise because like I, like I said, I didn't really give it the shot it deserved due to that theme song. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but watching this episode, it was like, no, like it made me uh, be like, I'm I'm a little disappointed that there's like no more episodes involving the that ship because it's like you end it with it repairing itself. Like you're telling me it's like I'm out for revenge. Yeah, yeah. I'm coming for you, Enterprise. Survive, like, survive, survive to terrorize. Yeah. Next time I'm gonna like you're not gonna have the choice to dock. I'm just gonna like it's gonna be like a giant rib cage machine or something. Just like snatch it up. But no, like it, it made me uh, really appreciate the the series a little bit more than I had originally, because uh, like it got a lot of flack back when it came out. Like there's a lot of uh, negative reviews. I think whenever like oh, I yeah. wanted to start like try and watch it, so I think going back watching this is like yeah, you know what? There'll probably be a couple that I skip here and there, but uh, I'm definitely interested in, in checking it out again yeah as i as i work my way through the episodes i'm sort of weeding out the what i'll call freak of the week episodes mm-hmm. and really paring it down to sort of the essential viewing and i may now that we are through uh, that we are through season one maybe i'll do a season one essential viewing yeah. and maybe do that and update it as we go along and uh Cause it, cause it is, it is a fun series and it's yeah. fun to see those first steps out into this, the great unknown, the final frontier. Well, and mean, uh, yeah, I think we've got, I think we're in store for some really good stuff yeah. here in season two, three and four. Yeah. Yeah. So next week we will be joined by my good friend, Mrs. Britton Benton for enterprise season two, episode five, a night in sick bay. And of course, A Night in Sick Bay is available on Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, and of course on Paramount Plus. Andy, what do you got going on that uh, people can uh, come check out? Your artwork? If you ever get a, a chance uh, to go check out Molly and Miles Ice Cream, you should totally uh, go by. And, like, there's some really good Sundays. Like, it's 
uh, good ice cream. Like I, I like to, I'm the one who preps some of the stuff. I make uh, cereal cones and stuff like that. Fruity pebble cones, like I'll definitely say go for the fruity pebble cones. Like we almost always have them and they are never bad. Uh, let's see, as far as, uh, you know, the stand-up comedy, uh, really all I'm doing is uh, uh, Coffee Underground open mic mm-hmm. on um, Mondays. Starts at, uh, I think they've changed it to where it starts at 7 now, if I'm mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. If, if it doesn't start at 7, just get there at 7. You know, get, get your coffee. get yourself some food. They have some great food. Like sit down, yeah. like chill. You know, get comfortable because it's gonna like. Oh, it used to, one of the weird things is it used to be like twenty one open mic comics on the list, and now it's about ten. Yeah. So it's like it's really gotten a lot easier for uh, for audiences to, to sit through. That's a nice tight uh, show. And, That's pretty cool. And there's a there's there's a lot of really good comics in Greenville. So it's worth coming out just to like, you know, check out, you know, see it's free, you know, see people yeah. playing around, having fun and, uh, you know, trying to have a good time. There will occasionally be a train wreck, but you know, mostly for the veterans in the back going, Oh, yeah. Hey, look, <laughs> if, if you've ever driven down the road and seen a terrible car accident and slowed down to keep looking at it, Open my comedy is for you. There's going to be the worse the car wreck that you're into, the more you might be into improv. So yeah. Maybe, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> no, when improv is good, it is amazing. Yeah. When improv is mediocre. Cool. it can be bad <laughs> yeah, yeah it really can and where else uh where else can people find you um, on the yeah, where uh, where can people come and annoy you online online uh i'm i'm on the tick the tiktok uh, i am old but i i am getting into the tiktok nice. uh you can find me at uh, uh andy tries to draw uh the number two because I was like, you know, that's uh, that'll make me stand out. Yep. So Andy tries number two draw, and uh, like I'm on Instagram uh, at uh, Andy's Amazing Amalgamations, uh, which that's a mouthful, but it's uh, that's where I post a lot of uh, like what I'm drawing and like incrementally posting just like the steps and process of it you want to commission a piece of artwork or anything like that you can message me on tiktok or instagram and you know work something out you know awesome and i am at mr todd a davis on all of the socials from all of us at the computer resume podcast thank you so much for listening and i'll see you in ted ford
Feel free to send us your subspace transmissions to computerresumepodcast at gmail.com or at Computer Resume on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The Computer Resume Podcast was created and produced by Mr. Todd A. Davis. Our logo was designed by Will Martin and Justin Bishop. The opening theme was produced by Justin Bishop. Our outro music was provided with permission by Drone Node. Additional music was provided by Mr. Todd A. Davis and Gary Horn. And I'm Kat Davis at that.darn.cat with a K on Instagram. The Computer Resume Podcast is part of the Slice of Fried Gold Network. Hashtag LLAP. We'll see you next time. Going through a Star Trek. We're doing Star Trek stuff in space. We probably got some phasers and shuttle pods and we're gonna find a brand new race. How's that for a slice of fried gold? Ah!